Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. Uh, We are still... uh making our way through uh, t- to training camp we're still waiting to hear about news from you know anything from covid outbreaks to yeah. uh, notes on how players are looking to anything at this point we're all just digging through whatever we can to get some information about uh something other than what's happening in the world right um we've got some actual cowboys related news and we're going to get to all of that in a second uh, but i want to start with this some nfc east news um and i'm sure you saw this yesterday landon uh, the Giants left tackle mm. Nate Solder opted out of the 2020 season. Um, I believe it's somebody in his family has some medical concerns, and that's why he is uh, deciding not to play this year. Um, I, I think this is pretty big news considering the Giants, are, of course, are in the Cowboys division. They're going to play them uh, twice this season. And considering that's been a problem for the Giants over the last couple of years, um, how big of a deal is it for Nate Solder to not be on that roster this year? Well, um, <laughs> I think it's it's not great, you know, in the sense that they paid him a bunch of money to play a tackle for him. But, you know, if you want to look at the bright side, I don't know that he's that much better than, you know, a replace, replacement level. So he shouldn't really be that difficult to uh, no, recreate that, the, that play. Um, the, the problem is is they're probably going to be starting two rookie tackles probably, now. And yeah. Andrew Thomas probably on that right side, Matthew Parrott on the left side, a third-round uh, tackle from UConn. And, you know, maybe I'm not giving Nate Solder enough credit, but, uh, you know. He's fine. He's, I think he's fine. fine. He's fine. But he certainly isn't worth what they paid him for. And, yes, they will certainly miss him because, you know, even though, like I said, he isn't that much better above replacement level, you know, to offensive tackle, I don't know that the Giants have another have another replacement level offensive tackle. So, uh, uh, Cam Fleming? Like I said, I don't know that they have another <laughs> uh, uh, replacement man. level uh, offensive tackle. So. Um. Yeah, I, I, I just think that I think you know they're, they're it's everyone's going to be dealing with this on some level. This the Giants, yeah. you know, are the first team to have to deal with it up front because they have a player who's opting out. But I, you know, I mean, how long before key offensive linemen start getting you know sick or get COVID and, and they got to replace those guys? So you know, I think that there's a tendency to kind of look at this and, and laugh and you know be like huh well we'll see but i also think that you know this whole season it's common could for potentially, everybody yeah it, this whole season could be yeah. potentially a, a a a lesson in how to handle losses especially among the on the offense i mean I, I you have to think especially offensive and defensive linemen right like they have to be yeah. the ones that are really the most likely to be exposed because they are constantly in very close contact with a lot of other people just because there's a lot of bodies down there. So I think offensive and defensive line is where you're likely to see uh, a lot of these kind of losses happening, whether it's an opt-out situation or a sickness situation. So teams are just going to need to get ready for this, frankly. So, okay, if a center tests positive for COVID, let's say, you know, between a week, 
Does that mean that the guards need to be in quarantine for the entire week too? You know, I'm just kind of thinking about this as we're talking. You know, like let's say Joe Looney's the starting center in week one, and we find out a couple of days later that he tests positive. Does that mean that Connor Williams and Zach Martin can't play the following week either? I mean, you know, let's talk. I mean, if you want to go there, let's what about talk the quarterback. About, let's talk what about, about the huddle. Then? Like, it's a, let's talk about the huddle. You know, well, like they're standing there in the huddle, all within six feet of each other, so they can hear each other, and talking in all facing in a circle. I mean, imagine the amount of particles that are floating around in the middle of that huddle. You know, so well, what about a quarter? What about the quarterback? Yeah, right? I, I mean, look, we can do this. Snapping, we can uh, do this across the board, everywhere. I mean, it's just you know what I'm saying. Like this is a game where people are physically close to each other. It's a it's a physical sport. You can't. There's not really a way to do a physical sport without. A, touching each other or being close to each other or breathing on each other so you know look i mean we, we could go down this rabbit hole if we want to all the way down but i just feel like all you know so so goes nate solder now maybe goes lael collins three weeks from now or or tyron yeah. smith or yeah. zach martin or you know what i mean i'm just thinking of all these scenarios that we're talking what happens if an entire offensive line you know has to quarantine for a week you know what does the team do because you're not going to have enough pieces on your roster to to get through two or three weeks without them i mean the more, the more that you think about this season i'm not i'm not trying to be a negative person no, because but, I, I really really want this season to happen yeah. i think it's i think it's important not only for us for our content creators but for you know the country in general i think we need sports I right agree. i think it's as a distraction so but man, but it's, how? there's a lot of like, obstacles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. Is. That's the thing is that like, and again, we're not trying to like do this and be like downers. But no, it, no, no. I mean, I'm we trying look to do the opposite. I'm trying to talk about yeah all day, every day, and it's hard not to look and think about this and have any kind of knowledge of what's going on with COVID and think, oh yeah, this is gonna work out. I mean, there's just so many scenarios like you just explained. Like, what happens when you have to play a division rival and your entire offensive line is is tested positive? You know, what What do you, like... I, I don't know. Like, there's so many... It's not even just, like... It's not even necessarily about, like, whether they cancel the season or not. Like, there's going to be huge, you know, impact. There, I, I don't know that there is, but I, I think it's safe to assume there are going to be enormous impacts on several individual games for every team because of COVID. You know, like, I mean, yeah. two or three teams... Oh, two or three games probably this season for every team will be decidedly, you know, because decided because of who is physically able to get onto the field, you know, at least. So I just think that it's hard not to like, you know, and I guess this is what people want to avoid saying, but to me, it's hard not to look at 2020 with a big asterisk next to it. And I'm fine. Even if we, you know, if we say that kind of going in, just everybody kind of knows the season is going to be not like a traditional one. The Super Bowl winner, the division winners probably aren't, going to be the same as they would be in a usual year that's fine i'm, I'm good with that i i'm just I'm, I'm really hoping we have football and the more that you think about it the more you read probably the less optimistic you are but uh, let's hope that the people that are in charge of getting this league off the ground and getting it running are they have the answers that we don't before because, wait before we move on i will yeah. just i will give a a dose of positivity here Here's what I'll do. Sure. So I do think that they've done some really good, cool things. I think I saw an interview yesterday with Tyler Biotish, and he was talking about how inside the building they have these bracelets, which I'm assuming have some kind of RFID chip in them that can actually detect the distance between other users wearing bracelets. And then it basically sets off a light and 
blinks red if you get too close to another person inside the building. So the, you know they have their the the good news is you know maybe the rest of the country isn't getting the benefits of this, but they have these tools that other people don't have access to, uh, and and you know maybe that can help with the exposure that's happening that would potentially be happening inside of a building, which is really where the most danger is, right? Being inside the building. Right, right. They're limiting the number of people inside the building. They're forcing everybody to wear masks. They are making everybody wear uh, 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 bracelets, which you know track where they are in the building and how far they are from people. They are doing everything they can. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know... Yep. When you actually play football, there's only so much. You know, when when the games start playing and the practices mm-hmm. start happening, there's only so much that they can do. Yeah, we even saw. I think the Lions tweeted out a picture of their their facilities yesterday, and there's plexiglass between every locker, and they're all spaced out um, so they can just you know social distance even inside the locker room. Um, but again, once you go on the field and the pads come on, you got guys pushing and shoving and touching each other the whole game. So. Um, we'll see. Uh, still, still holding out hope that these, we get a full season. Um, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about some Cowboys news. Okay, Landon, on Thursday, whatever day this is, <laughs> uh, the Cowboys announced uh, that they will not be selling season tickets for the 2020 season. Uh, you can purchase 2021 season tickets, but no season tickets this year. Uh, they did say that as of right now, the plan is to have individual tickets on sale. Uh, we'll find out what the capacity is. I know a few weeks ago it was 50%. Seems like now that's down to 25%. Um, I mean, it just kind of felt, felt like this was coming, that we weren't going to have uh, you know, full season tickets for the season, and we're not going to have a full capacity stadium. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the, or the Cowboys officially announcing this? Yeah, I mean that's it's not surprising. It's it's I mean I think that this was inevitable and really the Cowboys kind of holding out hope. I mean the, the you know the general NFL policy of just holding out trying to hold out hope and, and to see if things yeah. can figure themselves out. Um you know what's I, the right amount of what's the right amount of fans that probably say at these games because I don't think it's going to be zero. No. I, I do think there's going to be fans I, in the stadium, and I think that's fi- that's fine. Yeah. With how big that stadium is, I think yeah. you can certainly dis- distance people. Absolutely, I, I think you know twenty five percent capacity probably. I mean, I I'm not an epidemi. I'm not the doctor that studies the spread of <laughs> <Sure>. disease, <laughs> but but, but, no, but I think you know. Uh, it, you know, twenty five percent seems like that would be enough room for people to kind of get good distance between between everyone else, and uh, and that's still a lot of fans. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is in that Cowboy Stadium, you're still talking about somewhere between twenty and twenty five thousand fans yeah. in that stadium. Totally, and I think as long you keep the doors open, you keep the you keep everything open, you know, ventilated, and it's an outdoors. Just turn it into an outdoor stadium. And then as long as everyone's able to keep, you know, they should be able to measure how, obviously, they know how long, dis, how far the distance is between the seats. And they could just section off and pretend like those other seats aren't there and then just sell the, the seats that have good distancing there and, you know, sure. go from there. I just think, you know, that's that's how they're going to have to do it. And, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a difficult process. It's probably going to take more manpower to sell less seats. But uh, I, yeah. if, they're, if they want to do it, this is probably the only way that they're going to get people to show up. Yeah, so again, it, even if it's 20,000, 25,000 fans in there, they'll be able to make some noise. Um, it's just like a normal Washington game for them, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I, I don't know how much of the other sports you've seen so far, but 
Uh, basketball doesn't have fans in their stadium. There's no fans in a baseball stadium. For basketball, honestly, you don't even notice it that much. The you know the squeaking of the shoes and the players talking, and you, you don't notice it. Now baseball, it, it's a problem in baseball. So that's where I'm curious about what an NFL stadium yeah. would look like with sure. twenty twenty five thousand fans. Have you? Seen, I mean, it could. It might not be bad. No, it might not. But have you ever seen? Um, what was it? I think it was like that. That I think it was the UCLA. But back when UCLA was like winning championships with Lou Alcindor and all that, they 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 played some game. I think in the Coliseum or okay, I can't remember yeah. what it was. But but that's what it felt felt like when when you're watching the games because it, it it's like there's so much you know when you watch that game classically it, it's so odd because you, you're so used to the fans being just on top of the action in an NBA game right? right and this is this way it's just it's very hollow because the fans are all the way back and that's what you see with the NFL with with NBA and I think with the NFL it's 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 going to be interesting because they're not necessarily moving the stance though maybe they will maybe they will have to push you know the first few rows back in order to kind of give good social distancing to the the sideline crew yeah. and everything. Yeah. I, I just think it's going to feel emptier. There's you know if they're, if they're going to use parabolic mics still we're going to hear a lot more on the sideline obviously. And I think the big question that we're hearing now is I think Fox has talked about potentially uh you know getting these uh, virtual fans. Virtual yeah. fans. I, I want to ask you about this. Yeah. What, what do you think about it? Did you see the video that they tweeted out with the virtual fans? I didn't. No, I, I, I think you know it's it's interesting because I think you know obviously it's all just for for fan comfort at this point, just to kind of make yeah. people feel yep. comfortable with like what what they're seeing, but. I don't know. It, to me, it feels like it's it's likely going to be even more distracting. I, I don't know. I, it's it's. I feel like the yeah. no fans thing is something that we really will get, you know, used to pretty quickly. And I you know I think Fox is just trying to add something, some pizzazz, you know, and just yeah. You know, I, I don't know. This it's really going to be so off-putting to, to watch a football game without fans and honestly yeah so i i saw the the video that they tweeted out with the fans in the baseball game and honestly i i like i liked it a lot because for football 99 percent of us watch football or we, we consume football through our television sets right and a lot of times on a sunday you're watching three or four games at a time uh, you just want things to look some, semi-normal this year, right? So if you flip over to a game, even if it, the fans don't look fantastic or whatever, and you just don't see a bunch of empty seats behind uh, a, a quarterback or whatever, I, I think it works. And they showed about how they can use you know sound noise from you know other games and kind of put that in their in their broadcast to help make things look normal. Um, I like it. I, I give credit to Fox for at least trying something to to get it to be to feel like a normal season. So uh, I'm curious to see what they do. And again, it's probably going to depend on the stadium, right? Because if you're if Fox is doing a Cowboy game and there's 25,000 people in that stadium, you probably don't need the virtual fans. You know, it's probably going to be okay. You'll probably get enough crowd noise and enough you know visuals from the fans to to make it feel like a normal game. So. Uh, just something to keep an eye on, you know, over the next month or two uh, when we get closer to the season. Uh, one more quick Cowboys-related thing: uh, the Dallas Cowboys announced that the blue-white scrimmage that they normally have, I think, it's before the first preseason game, uh, will be held on August 30th, with which is exactly two weeks before uh, their Sunday night game against the Los Angeles Rams. 
Um, Blue-white scrimmage is going to have even more of an importance this year than in previous years, correct, Landon? Yes, because it's on my daughter's birthday. It's going to make it very difficult for me to watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think... Poor Vivian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's going to have a hard time really watching it. Um, everyone keep it down with the, with the birthday music. I'm trying to watch the game. That's what the six-year-old's going to say, I'm sure. Uh, no, I, you know, I think it's... It, normally, it's not a thing. I mean, if anything, the last few years, the blue-white scrimmage has become less and less of a thing, right? It's just... It's just a don't-get-hurt practice yeah. is basically how I look and, at and it. Well, it's a, it's a let's sell some let's sell some products and, and broadcast yeah. a, a practice kind of practice, right? Sure. So I, I wonder if that changes. You know, I wonder if we actually get back to closer to an actual true scrimmage in this because... They, they might need it. They may uh, there's no might they definitely will need it it's it's just a matter of whether they'll get it Uh, yeah i i think there's there's they should really consider that because i i don't i think it's and i've said this before and we talked about this i just think it's really dangerous to try to hop into a full speed nfl football game without any contact before that i mean even for Mm -hmm. these guys who have been doing it for years it just it feels it feels dangerous if, if they, that they need some kind of stepping stone to get to where they need to go, uh, you know, to get up to speed before they, they you know, I just think some people right. are going to get into that first game and just get crushed because they're not they're not ready for the speed. They haven't seen anything close to that yet. And I mean, I, I think the speed even in a in a blue white scrimmage that's at three quarters, you know, that's at close to full speed it's at least going to give them some kind of taste of what they're about to get themselves into, especially for some of these rookie young players who, you know, especially these guys who are coming from lower, lower leagues of competition. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's at least, it's a needed stepping stone to get them ready for what is going to be a car accident. If, if they don't figure out how to, you know, get used to the speed of the game. We should have talked about this on yesterday's podcast, but um, I'm curious to see in Mike McCarthy's practice, you know, if, how much live tackling do they do? Because during the Jason Garrett era, they didn't do a ton in training camp. I Frankly, I can't even remember when they did full tackling. Did they even do it for the blue-white scrimmage? No. In I, well, year? I think I, they, they – well, what they do is they usually do – they have like full speed, like like three or four full speed uh, sessions, but they always are just for the lower guys. They don't have them with, with the starters. So it's yeah. always like the like the – you know, the – when they bring in the the rookies and the first year players, that that's right. the first full speed, like full t- tackle to the ground snaps that you'll see for the entire season is is in that practice usually. Yeah, so maybe that'll change with McCarthy. Um, I know again, I live close to Pittsburgh. I you know they have training camps there. Um, you know every padded practice is full tackle. You know bring him to the ground. Maybe that'll be. I mean I don't know how McCarthy runs his practices. Um, but maybe we'll see more live tackling in Cowboys practices this year. Uh, just something to monitor um, again over the next couple of weeks. All right, let's take one more quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about Landon's favorite topic in the whole oh, wide world, no. the NFL Top 100. Okay, Landon, the NFL finished their Top 100 list on Wednesday. Lamar Jackson came in at number one. Uh, wow. People were freaking out at really? Twitter, on Twitter. Yeah, he did. Oh Patrick my Mahomes was at four. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. People were getting really upset on, on Twitter. Uh, the Cowboys had several different players on the list. Ezekiel Elliott finished at number 24. Dak Prescott was at number 46. Amari Cooper at 49. 
Zach Martin at 55, and then Tyron Smith was down there a ways. But um, I don't want to talk about the rankings because they don't mean anything. I want to talk about why we don't care about the rankings. Uh, Lane, why don't you go ahead and, and explain to the listener why the NFL Top 100 is garbage? Well, I think you put the best uh, uh, bow on it of all time. Uh, let me just ask you a, a quick uh, question. Uh, Marcus, on, in the top 100, how many offensive linemen are there? Yeah, I think there was like three or four. I rest my case. <laughs> like, I mean, what what more do you need than that? Like, offensive linemen has uh, got to be, if not the first most populous, then the second most populous position group in, in, in the NFL. And there are four four three or four out of 100 players like mm-hmm. like this is you know every year we have to go through this and and how ridiculous it is and how uh you know how much the nfl has to try to defend saying oh no no the players really take this seriously and vote and half of them don't vote and and and, and let's even suggest let's even pull it back a little bit how you know are the NFL players themselves the best judge of character of who's talented across all positions, across all teams? Like they, Absolutely not. They don't see every player every year. They don't see every position group every year. Do you think a wide receiver on the Jets knows which offensive lineman in the NFC West is the best? Like, no. honestly? No. Like, that's not... Nope. The, 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 we give this kind of special reverence to, uh, 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 to athletes... Because they've played the game and, and they, they've seen the things. That is absolutely true. But it's the same situation like it like uh, like like Michael Jordan trying to be a coach. You know, it's like the thing that makes Michael Jordan great is not, you know, only that he can see the game well in certain, and, and then maybe this is a bad example, but I, I think no, but it's a good one because it, Michael Jordan's a perfect example. Of it's, it. it's, I mean, it, he's an awful owner and GM, awful. But but it's because you can't you can't make other players do what you do well. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like you can't coach them. Hey, be me and and pull up and make this 30 foot jumper, the crowd of four people. Like it's, it's, and for the NFL, it's like, it's even more, it's even worse than that because the NFL is so specialized by position. How is one player going to have the kind of, context that's required for understanding the te- all the l- different types of techniques you know it, it's it's hard enough to get scouts to do to understand all that and that's their full-time job you know so i i just think this is a half-assed survey b- between players who don't have a full picture of these players and again like if there isn't if this doesn't show you the the bias that also exists in players as well against guys like offensive linemen then I, I don't know what would, you know, it's like, I, I just, I think that the reason we all have to comment on every, every, every year is because it gets brought up, it gets promoted and, and, and they intentionally do stuff to make you mad. So you talk about it and, and that's fine. That's, I understand how clickbait works and I understand how, you know, websites work and, and how they get paid. I just, I just think that, you know, Every year we get upset about this, but it's a trap. Every year it's a trap. It, it, you know, it's it's a it's a trap to get uh, upset about. It's it's really not, you know, a, a legitimate list or, or or even should be passed off as legitimate list. So, so why are why are people getting so upset about the results inside of it? Yeah, I think Bill Parcells had the best quote to um, kind of describe this uh, or how we get sucked into it, right? Remember when he said with the Giants, considered yourself sucked? Remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um, 
we get into it because it's a ranking and we feel like it carries validity because there's players doing it. Um, but again, let, let, I'll tell you one thing why we shouldn't care. I mentioned the offensive lineman, right? Only one inside the top 50, uh, Quentin Nelson. Uh, he came in like the mid 30s. Uh, Zach Martin was the next offensive lineman at 55. Um, but one offense, again, one offensive lineman in the top 50. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten running backs inside the top uh, 40, including guys like Todd Gurley, Mark Ingram, oh Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb. Aaron so. Jones? Like, <laughs> How about Mark Ingram or Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley uh, got cut this year. The Rams are paying $16 million for him not to be on the team. He ranked ahead of Zach Martin. Um, yeah, it's why you shouldn't care about it. It It is what it is. It's off-season stuff to get us through to training camp in the preseason. Or not the preseason, the regular season. Just ignore it. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow me at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.